DJ and PK brought to you in part by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car-to-curb service 24-7, airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Time to talk college football with Brett Ciancia from Pick 6 Previews. And he joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Brett, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me on. Well, Brett, we really couldn't not have you on. We had to have you on once we saw (laughs) you didn't just think the Utes are going to win the South. You don't just think they're going to win the Pac-12. You, at Pick 6 previews are predicting the Utes are going to be the four seed in the college football playoff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's been a pleasure talking to a lot of Ute fans the last couple weeks. Um, It's a pretty knowledgeable bunch. I got to meet a a few down at the Rose Bowl last year. I was down there for the UCLA game when Utah stomped the the hometown Bruins there. Um, So yeah, I'll I'll explain the the madness behind the logic here. Um, So basically, it just comes down to there's there's five conferences for four spots, right? I have Clemson winning the ACC. That's an easy choice. I actually have Ohio State over Michigan in the Big Ten, and I actually have Georgia over Alabama in the SEC. So going against the national consensus there. For that last spot, it came down to the Big 12 champ or the Pac-12 champ for me. And uh, my Big 12 uh, contenders, Texas and Oklahoma, I see them both beating each other up and splitting that series. And then also I think Texas will lose to LSU, and I think Oklahoma will trip up with a, a pretty beaten down and, and uh you know, they lost their their offensive line to the NFL. So they have uh, personnel issues on offense there. So I think that the Big 12 will produce a two-loss champ. I think that Utah, uh, with its number one defensive line in the country, according to my metrics, a very experienced um, offense coming back for your starter quarterback, for your starter running back, workhorse, Zach Moss. Uh, but more so, just, uh, just an increased trust in this coaching staff. And my metrics – and player development and win conversion, Utah's top five in both. Just a very proven staff, despite maybe lower recruiting rankings than you'd see from some of the brand names, but they make up for it with just tremendous program culture and, uh, and those metrics I talked about. So very confident with Utah this year. So then counting the title game, do you have them 13-0 and or 12-1? and Yeah, so I have them 12-1, and and this is the thing where I'm getting a lot of pushback nationally because – People say that the Pac-12 is too weak and then the teams have to go undefeated. I think that's kind of ridiculous. It's a great brand of football. Uh, I have to admit, I, I am on the East Coast, but I'm one of those guys that's up till 3 in the morning watching all these Pac-12 games. Uh, I really appreciate the, the, the ball out there. So, so basically what it comes down to for me is I try and relate it to last year's Oklahoma team where they went 12-1, and they lost to Texas in the regular season, ended up uh, avenging that loss on championship Saturday. Uh, despite a soft schedule, when you look back at their schedule last year, Oklahoma did not have a, a tough non-conference slate. They had a lot of close wins, a lot of uh, the, the two-point conversion win against Oklahoma State, a field goal win against West Virginia. So it wasn't that dominant, really. Their defense was terrible. Um, so for them to go 12-1, and avenge that loss in the, on the conference title Saturday and be enough to get into the playoff, I think Utah can follow the same path, where I think that they may trip up at Washington and Seattle, but we'll get that chance at a rematch on championship Saturday and and should they win there at 12-1, and one, that should be enough to surge into the, into the playoffs. Brett Ciancia, Pick 6 Previews, joining us. You know, there are a lot of Ute fans who want to believe that this is true, but they look at the passing game and they think when they really have to throw the ball down the field in a clutch drive, or when they get in a high-scoring shootout, they're not capable. The, when ASU gets the upper hand on the Utes' defense last year, the, the Utes can't keep scoring points. 
you point to a four-game streak last year that we all remember, the 40-point games, and you said they did something really different in the passing game there that kind of elevated them until they had the quarterback injury. Well, they got a new coordinator next year. Do you think the passing game is going to be that good? Are they going to go away from what they did in October? Yeah, that is one of the concerns I put in my book there. Um, So uh, we've been kind of waiting for that Troy Taylor offense to finally click, and it finally did happen there in October. Uh, You saw the use of that diamond formation, some misdirection, some play actions that were all hitting. uh, And you finally got to see Tyler Huntley really make that step in the passing game. And uh, and it's a shame, though, that the injury struck right then because that October slate, those four games, according to my game grader formula, Utah was playing at a playoff caliber. So, I mean, if you were able to continue that into November, I think you'd see a different win-loss record. It was still strong enough to win the South, but I think if you had Huntley and Moss healthy, I think that you win a couple of those games down the stretch. So, so can it continue? I, I tuned into the spring game. So let me preface with saying that part of my preview is I just watched hundreds of hours of uh, game tape spring games, calling with uh, local podcasts and radio shows for insights. So I watched the spring game. I was a little worried when I saw the play calls were so complex that they were looking at big uh, play sheets, uh, it, it looked like it took 30 seconds for Huntley to be, you know, calling the play in the huddle. I know that's just some some coaching scheme transition. I think that'll be ironed out in fall camp, but it is something to worry about because, yeah, I was finally feeling confident with the Taylor offense and and Huntley's role in there. And now, yeah, that that is a question mark going forward. Also, a question mark replacing a couple guys along the offensive line. But I think that the the skill player stable is really strong. You saw the receivers take a step forward last year. That had been a position group that had been holding Utah's offense back for quite a while. Uh, so to see that group all coming back, I think Jalen Dixon's a breakout potential. And uh, an underrated guy that's not getting much attention is uh, Devontae Henry-Cole back from uh, two years ago. Hopefully he gets back to his form there in a uh, backup role. So you say you're from the East Coast, and I'm listening to you talk, and in particular words like on, when you say on, I'm guessing it's the Philly area. <laughs> yeah, I, that's great. You nailed that. I am out of the Philly area. <laughs> Jersey Shore uh, and uh, in southeastern PA, yeah. Well, the interview just got wrecked right there. It's all over. You have no idea, Brett, what <laughs> yeah. you've just done. You should have lied. You should have said I'm from Atlanta. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, it, it's pretty sad because out here it is just all, all pro football. I'm kind right. of the, the odd man out right. who loves college football out here. But it's all Eagles fans. It's all uh, New York Giants. You know, So I try and get away from it on Saturdays and do my whole 15-hour day. I uh, love it. Spent many summers at Ocean City, Brett. I'm down in Seattle right now as we speak. <laughs> it's uh, it's pick six office out here. So, yeah, love it. Love the connection. Never thought I'd be talking Jersey Shore on, uh, on Utah radio. I was born in North Jersey. Uh, but, nice. Uh, anyway, uh, one of the things, you know, you sent us uh, some information. There's 157 pages, and I have to come clean. I did not read 157 pages, but I did read a lot of it. And you've been doing this, what, seven years? Is that accurate? Yeah, it's, uh, it's our eighth season. Yeah. Uh, we launched in 2012, and uh, since then we've been rated the most accurate Power 5 BCS That's what previews, I was get according to, to Stassen.com. Right, and I re- obviously I read that. And so, t- you know, I know it's hard to tout yourself, but what do you think that you've been able to do that has allowed you to have been in this BCS college football playoff era to be the most accurate out of all these uh, unlimited amount of uh, preseason publications and predictions? Yeah, so I think it's a good balance. Um, so a lot of the analytics guys you see online, I have a respect for them and what they do, but I think they live a little bit too much in the numbers. I think you need to be able to balance that with, with what you see actually on the, on the field. 
Um, so I watch hundreds of hours of game tape, spring games, uh, calling coaches and coordinators, like I said. But I also develop my own set of advanced metrics that kind of just makes sense when, when, you, when you dig into it. I call it game grader. It really digs in further than just the scoreboard because you see a score come across the ticker. You don't really know exactly what happened on that Saturday. So it digs into the key stats of the game, yardage differential, turnover margin, uh, uh, yardage per play differential, and uh, digs deeper and gets an actual raw score of how the team actually did. Uh, you adjust that for opponent strength, and then over the course of a season, you get a better feel for how really a team performed. So that's one of the things I look at. I look at all, all kinds of recruiting trends, but where some will stop right at the recruiting number, I actually dig deeper and look at how is the staff developing and how is the staff scheme, because you can bring in five-star raw talent like USC does every year and not do anything with it and go seven wins every year. So on the on the other side of that, Utah grades very well on those metrics because they bring in somewhere in the 35 to 45 range of uh, recruiting talent. But the Whittingham staff, Morgan Scali on defense, they their schemes, their development, uh, the way they export players to the pros above expectation really molds them into a better uh, better fit this year. So a lot of metrics go into it, tons of hours. Um, and just, I guess, a balance and knowing what little key metrics to look for. Who's the loss for Utah when you pick them to go uh, 11-1 and to the Pac-12 title game? Well, quite honestly, I mean, I think it's an easy schedule this year. Uh, Utah benefits from missing Stanford and Oregon out of the North crossover. Uh, the non-conference, uh, BYU, I guess, is a power five to some, a group of five to some. Well, however you, you, you chalk them up, it's going to be a battle down there. Uh, in the Holy War. So I'm a little worried about the BYU game from a Utah's perspective, but besides that, uh, I think it'd be Washington. I mean, going on the road there, the Peterson and Lake staff on defense, um, but when November rolls around, I know right now they're a little bit raw and young, but by the time November comes around, I'm pretty sure they'll have a, a top-five defense ironed out. So I think the Washington game will be tough. People are trying to say that the USC trip will be a, will be a tough one, but, man, that game last year, the score doesn't really indicate um, – I know it was only like a 13-point win on the scoreboard, but outgaining USC by 350 yards is unbelievable. Uh, so I, I don't see why that would change overnight. They're going through an offensive scheme change going from tailback U to five-wide air raid, uh, and the defense loses five all-conference players. So, yeah, I'm not too worried about USC. I'd say Washington's the one to worry about a little bit. So we've seen in the past that you don't even literally have to win your division, let alone your conference, and so you've got Georgia over Alabama. But how confident are you that the voters wouldn't still put in Alabama if that's the only blemish? Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I'm kind of relying on the, on the committee. I have faith in the committee that they would do the right thing. And the right thing to me is that you have to value the conference title card. Um, yeah, so if they both end up 12-1, and one, or I guess, yeah, Alabama would be 12-1 and one if they lost in the SEC title game. They both finished 12 and 1. You have to reward the Pac-12 champion. If you're not going to reward the Pac-12 champion uh, with an identical win-loss record, you're basically saying that the Pac-12 is an inferior league, and then they might as well just call it the Power Four because it's ridiculous if you're going to keep out a, a one-loss conference champion. The only way that a one-loss conference champion should be left out is if all the others are undefeated, uh, or if it's down to two champions head-to-head here, and we have to look at resumes. But if you're looking at a runner-up to a champion, I got, you got to go champion. Especially, I just kind of try and put myself in their shoes, right? So on that last Saturday, I think the SEC game kicks off at 3.30. They'll be wrapping up around 7. So you're telling me about 12 hours from the end of that game to when they release the playoff bracket in the morning that they're going to say that that team that just lost in the field, they're going to still get in the title game or uh, in the playoff bracket. It doesn't make sense. So I have faith that, they'll, that they take the conference champ there. Maybe it's just me being an optimist, but um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. 
I've had, I would have faith that they would say that Alabama just lost to the number one team in the country, and Utah lost to Washington, who has whatever record, I don't know, and Georgia's better, so Alabama's in. Thanks for playing. Good night, everybody. Yeah, you always worry about that, but I don't know. I, I, I hope it doesn't go that route. It'd be bad for the game. It'd be, like I said, it'd be basically devaluing the Pac-12. Um, I know that they've had some multi-loss champions in the past couple of years. I get that, but you're producing a one-loss champ out of a Power 5 league. That's got to that's got to hold some weight, or else we're just not calling the Pac-12 power league anymore, which I think is ridiculous. So, Brett, see, yeah, it'll be a good case study. Let's just knock out Alabama in October, and we don't have to worry about it, right? <laughs> Brett Cianci, a pick six previews. I want to ask you about one more team. Uh, Washington State has won four in a row over the Utes over six years because there's a couple of years they didn't play, but over the last six years they're four and zero against the Utes. Their coach, Mike Leach, got up at the Pac-12 media days and basically just went right to town on the media for overlooking them. He said they're 11-2. and they got a lot of guys back. Guys have been working to get better. They should be better than last year. I know a lot of people downgrade him because the quarterback changed, but he always seems to get a quarterback up to speed and playing well. So he doesn't seem particularly worried about that. Should the youths in particular and the Pac-12 in general worry about Washington State? Yeah, when you mentioned Mike Leach at a podium, I thought you were going to say he was talking about aliens or Bigfoot or something, but no, uh, he's a great interview. Uh, I think with Washington State, you can't, you can never rule them out in a season. I, I made that mistake last year. We were coming in the last year. I saw that they were replacing seven new coaches, their D coordinator, a record-setting quarterback in Luke Falk, their top two receivers, All-American linemen, and I was like, you know, there's no way that they can sustain that kind of transition. And all that happened was he plucked out another quarterback out of, the, out of nowhere with Minshew, and rode that to 11 wins. So, yeah, you can never count on Washington State. I just think uh, their, their talent level on defense is going to start to be a problem when you compare them to the other teams, uh, you know, like a, like a Washington or Utah. Uh, so defensively is an issue. And, yeah, I think that Minshew was an outlier in this system. Usually in the air raid in his system, it's a pocket passer, like Luke Falk or all those Texas Tech guys uh, when he was down there. They're pocket passers. They're very accurate and very, uh, you know, strong arms, but they're not elusive in the pocket and creating plays. And, that's what Minshew did. It brought a whole new element where now, you know, coverage had to, coverage had to last another second or two uh, in the secondary, and you had breakdowns all over the place, and their speed receivers were opening up. So basically what I'm getting at is I think Minshew was a, a total game changer. It'll be very tough to predict someone to replace him. I know they have four or five quarterbacks they're looking at. I'm sure he'll find a good one, but I just think that you're not going to be able to, to match the Minshew level. Uh, defense is an issue, and, uh, yeah, so – and they can't get past Washington either. I'm surprised that Utah has taken four straight times. I think finally they break through this year and and uh, and, and beat Leach. You mentioned BYU as being a possible difficult game, so you obviously have done something about BYU. What are you seeing from them? Yeah, and uh, to be uh, to be totally upfront, I mean I don't cover the Group of Five or the non-AQ teams uh, as in depth or really at all in my book. It's all Power Five. So, but I did glance at BYU a bit. I saw at the back half of the season with their young quarterback, they really surged offensively. They gave Utah a run for the money. I watched that game. Uh, yes, it was without a couple starters for Utah, but, I mean, that was a big lead they built up early, early in the game. Yeah, BYU's a tough out. Um, they always play t- uh, tough defense. I ran them through my game grader formula, and uh, like, I was, like I mentioned earlier, that's just for the 65 power five teams, but I wanted to see kind of where they would fall, you know, equivalently. Um, and they actually graded out middle tier of the Pac-12. They, fit, they would have finished seventh in my game grader out of 12 in the Pac-12, uh, 36th out of 65 Power 5 teams. So pretty much a middle of the pack, 
solid Power 5 team. Um, I think going there on the road uh, to open up the season, you know they've had that game circled for the last five months. Um, I mean, if, if Twitter's any indication, I know that to be true because I call this a 365-day rivalry. I mean, both, both yeah. fan bases are at each other's throats all season, all February. Any, any day of the year you log on Twitter, you see it going. So <laughs> I enjoy that. But, uh, but no, I think that it's going to be a, a pretty emotional, brutal game, and it's always tough. So I think the opening line's five. I'd probably, I'd probably go Utah, obviously, more than five, but not much more than ten. I think it's going to be pretty tight. All right, so tomorrow morning I want you to have a pork roll for me, okay? <laughs> you got it. Yeah, I might, uh, <laughs> might go down to Springfield a little bit. Get some no shower happy hour, guys. Brett, we Man, appreciate lo- Love the references out here. <laughs> go ahead. Hit him, with, hit him with a couple more PKs in your wheelhouse. You love this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you put on pizza, Matt? Brett, excuse me, Brett. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I like sausage on the pizza. Uh, if you're down in Philly, uh, southeast or uh, South Philly, you get cheesesteak pizza. So there you go. Yeah, any way you can incorporate <laughs> cheesesteak in anything, it's kind of the main diet out here. So, um, yeah, love it, man. When I go to the Jersey Shore, I had a pork roll for breakfast, and then I have pizza and a cheesesteak for lunch, and then for dinner, I get a cheesesteak and pizza. <laughs> yeah, well, Mac and Mac goes, right? Is that the Ocean City place? <laughs> Bingo, brother. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, you two will need to connect later. <laughs> yeah, we're setting some, uh, setting some records here for Utah Radio. Yeah, love right. it. I think there's no doubt. Brett, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Good luck this fall. Brett Ciancia from, uh, from uh, Pick 6 Previews. And uh, he's got Tennessee picked fourth in the SEC East, if you Cougar fans are wondering how tough that second game is going to be. He goes, he goes pretty in-depth on these dives. I mean, he's, Oh, hardcore. And he's, when he's referencing, okay, so there's a guy who lives in Philly. What's he writing about? And so flipping through some of them, we didn't have a lot of time in advance to go through this, but flipping through, he references the beating Covey took against Washington, mm-hmm. talks about one of the most important, impressive performances, goes into the fact that he was at the USC-Arizona State game, saw Nikhil Harry with a one-handed catch for the ages along the sideline, plus he mentions the 95-yard punt return. So there's some detail in there. You know, if you're a big Pac-12 fan, you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, oh, okay, I remember that play, I remember that play, and he's in Philly and he remembers it. Well, and he travels CLCD to L.A. Right for now. games. CLCD right now. Yeah. He's at the... At okay, the you know what I'm getting <laughs> Thank you, PK. <laughs> he probably had no idea he was going to get a Jersey brother. <laughs> no, no. He did not expect any Jersey references <laughs> but, whatsoever. But once, and there's a distinct uh, dialect that I could tell, an accent is the word I'm looking for, from North Jersey to South Jersey. And once he said on... You, you had him, you had him locked Philly in. Guy. This guy's a Philly guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm almost positive, so I'm going to ask him. And sure enough, and if you're a Philly guy, then by extension, you're a South Jersey guy, and you're a Jersey Shore guy. It's just the way it is. He's big on your Devils. He's got USC picked third in the Pac-12 South. Got your Devils second and the Utes first. Well, they finished second the last two years in a row, but right. But they lost a lot of talent, and he just thinks yeah, no, but they're five right and four. They were seven and six the last two years and finished second. It's not like that's overwhelming by any stretch. So what are you? Are you six and three second? Are you five and four? Are you seven and two? You know, there's a variance there. Second doesn't necessarily mean you've had a real good season. It could be. In the north, it likely will be. But it doesn't necessarily mean that in the south. But if you do that this year, when you're changing a lot of stuff over, you're primed. You've been talking about this is a multi-year project. This is not the big year. 
For the Devils? Right. No, it's next year and year after. Right. Yeah. So if they do do seven and five and second in the South, it does set them up. No, that's what I'm saying. Seven, yeah, seven and five. That, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's that's. Uh, and if you win a bowl game, you're eight and five. That's right. a yeah. That's but that's and, a big and difference. And second there. in some divisions might be nine and three. Which if they're that, nine nine and three, you're out of your mind. You are like we are primed. We are ready to go. Oh, with a brand new QB. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's a massive improvement. And then all that stuff that Herm has been receiving. I thought he took too much grief, and now he's getting too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah. The pendulum swings back and right. forth. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Uh, coming up next, two words, two words. It's Friday. we gotta, we got to mess around. If you're an Aggie fan, if you're a Cougar fan, if you're a Ute fan, what are those two words? So grab your phone, grab the open mic. We want your team, and then you drop right into the Kyle Whittingham impression. Two words, two words. And then you, you go with the two words that get this season. Yak, hit him with the Kyle Whittingham just for, uh, you know, the new people who don't know the drop because you have played it. Two words, two words. Bowl eligible. Yeah! <laughs> All right, we'll do that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. NFL preseason is underway in a big way. A lot of games last night, but a couple of them really jumped out. Rookie quarterback performing well, Kyle, Kyler Murray, 6 of 7 for 44 yards. Played just one series as Arizona beat the Chargers 17-13. The Giants beat the Jets 31-22. Another first-round draft pick, Daniel Jones, 5 for 5 for 67 yards. Former BYU star Bronson Kafusi. Had one tackle and one QB hit for the Jets. Tonight, Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh at 5.30, Minnesota and New Orleans, 6 o'clock. Check out the NFL Network tonight and tomorrow for preseason football. BYU loses freshman tight end Hank Tui-Pelotu to an ACL injury. Same knee he had ACL reconstructive surgery on last fall. Utah is hopeful Juco All-American offensive lineman Bevidele Olaseni will be joining the program and practicing as early as today. He's joining the youth from Garden City Community College in Kansas. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Zero Res. The Zero Res summer sale ends August 31st. Your last chance to get your fourth room clean for free. No soap, shampoos, or harsh chemicals. Zero Res is the right way to clean. Call today to schedule your clean. 801-288-9376. The Big Show. Gail Miller with us here on The Big Show. So many great players that have been the face of this franchise over the years. This version of the Jazz is Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Pretty incredible people. They are the heart and soul of this team and I'm very grateful for them. I think we're going to have some others that will stand out this year. Of course, Mike Conley and others. But the nice thing is we've built a foundation that can really do something special. They understand what we're all about. They've done the hard work. I think Donovan and Rudy are really good leaders and and Donovan seems to thrive on taking that leadership role. So I think he'll do great things for us. If you've missed any of the big show, go to 1280thezone.com. This is the big show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. My two words for every Utah school, BYU, same old. Utah, Choke City. Utah State, media darling. Choke, choke city. <laughs> Same old and choke city. Bam, bam. Take that, Utes and Cougars. Hey, media darling, come on. <laughs> media darling. Not Ron darling, but media darling. 
Not bad. Good pull. <laughs> Ron Darling, you're going back a few years. He's broadcaster. That's the World Series. <sighs> you don't pay attention to who the broadcasters are. You've told us that a million times. I don't pay attention to what they say, but I know who they are. Okay. All right, two words. Two words. It's a Friday. Let's mess around. But let's stay on college football at the same time. Two words. Two words. Ball eligible. Josh, two words. Two words. Conference champions. That's huge. (laughs) That'd be spectacular. For whom? Uh, He does not say. It'd be huge for Gary. Huge for Gary Anderson and the Aggies. He'd have two of the three because obviously the Cougars can't get it. But if he, even if, and I, you know, most people would think he means Utah, which is obviously huge. But it would also be huge for Utah State because that is a back to backer. And they, they had two good years, right? They didn't go 11 and then won 10 in Wells' first year. Is that what it was? Yeah. So they've had that and then they slipped off a little bit. Uh, but. You'd have to think that if last season and then if they followed up with a title this year, Gary's not going to go anywhere. I, mean, I could be wrong, but it looks he's, he talks like this is it. You know, he's moved around enough, and he, he tells the stories of his wife saying this is it. <laughs> and so you can really get something going there and not have some slippage. Because they also, under Matt, had a 3-1 season, did they not? We have seen coaches in that conference kind of generally in his place think, this is a good deal, let's not take off. I think Wyoming and San Diego State have both benefited from that. Older guys, though. Yeah, older guys, and a little older than Gary, but maybe, you know, Gary having already moved around, the grass isn't always green. He's approaching that status. Right. So I could see where he could look at both of them and think, yeah, I can do that, and that's pretty good. <laughs> They seem to be having a good time. They're winning games. They're still making really good money. Not making ginormous Power 5 money, but still really good salaries. Yeah. money do you need? <laughs> okay. Good point. So, I mean, the cost of living is not some of these other places. Uh, so, yeah, that would be, it would be gigantic for them if they, uh, if they win a conference title. They had a uh, three-year run across Gary and Matt where they won 30 games. It was 11, and then Matt went 9-10. and 10. And they had the drop off. So now they got another 11. Oh, where do they go these next couple of years? Right. All right. Two words, two words. What have you got? What have you got for your, your favorite team? Steve has a take. BYU, two words, two words. Streak over. Oh, nice. I like that, Steve. Streak over. Yeah. O V A H. Over. That would be awesome for the Cougars. Okay, what does Danny say? Two words for the Utes. National champions! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be the ultimate. That'd be it. Nothing is better. The whole prize. Yeah, nothing is better. It Kyle, would supersede 84. Kyle blows a kiss and just blocks off into the sunset. I don't think he does, but... <laughs> well, why not? Why not? You're right. He'd why be 60 not? years old. He'd be 60 years old. But he still has some juice left in him for sure. National, well, I guess, and then the obvious why not is back-to-back. You're not <laughs> going back-to-back. <laughs> you're going to have to break in a new quarterback. Yeah, you're not going back-to-back. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is their opportunity for a big-time season. They could still be good next year for sure, but this is their... Everything is lined up this year for them, certainly now. I think streak over, those would be, 
just like the most magical words that could BYU fans and the program itself could hear because I think the program needs a jolt. It needs a, a shot in the arm. Not yeah. that it's just languishing. I'm not saying that. It, but it needs something to get really fired up about. And with the scheduling, there's no pacing. It's like now or never, basically. Now being across four weeks. And so they need, they need jolts. And this would, be, this would be the biggest jolt that they could have this season. Okay, they, it does need a jolt. I'll give you that. They got a jolt when they beat Wisconsin last year. Yeah. So what do you have to do when you get a jolt to follow up on it so it feels sustainable and energizing? And, and for you know, beating Wisconsin, you could say, well, if they had beaten Utah. <laughs> that that would have done it. That if they had just held that 20-point lead or some portion of it so they win the game. Okay, but they didn't. Right. So is that what it takes? I mean, if they, if they get a jolt out of beating Utah, if they do that in the opener, then what do they have to do so that that jolt really pays off? So that people really think, okay, we got something here and we're going somewhere. Eight regular season wins. They've got to do it. It's got to get done. And this would be... The biggest jolt that they have could get. Wisconsin was not. It was a great jolt, and they celebrated wildly. I was there on the field, and it was cool. But they need the biggest jolt, and this is the biggest jolt that they can get. They they can't buy the type of enthusiasm and shot in the arm, jolt is the word we're using, that they would get by beating Utah. It, you cannot buy it. You have to do it. You can only accomplish it out on the field. The feeling that would they would have and how awesome it would be. Because I've been there when they've beaten P5s. I was there when they beat Arizona in the Cardinal Stadium, and that was huge. I was there last year when they beat Arizona at the end of la, uh, the first game of last season, and we didn't know Arizona was going to suck. They were supposed to be good. That was a great, great win. Arizona didn't turn out to be a good team. We understand that. But at the time, you know, uh, Tate's a cover uh, kid on uh, Sports Illustrated and Heisman contender, blah, blah, blah. And they won that game. And then the Wisconsin game was just like a dream come true because I didn't expect them to win. And I don't know that anybody did, but they did. Here would be the biggest jolt they have received since they've been in been an independent. Jim just tweeted at us, Utah Utes. Okay, that's your team, Jim. Now we need two words for the Utes season. <laughs> Jim doesn't really get the game here. We, he may not be listening to the show. He just saw it on Twitter. And, oh. So. But two words to describe your favorite team. Dwight's on the open mic. Let's get his take. Go! <laughs> two words, two words. Excruciating pain. <laughs> There's a lot of enthusiasm there. <laughs> two words, two words, hot air. <laughs> yeah, right. Is he a marathoner or like a, a swimmer or something? Because that's a lot of lung capacity there, right there. That's uh, You tried to do that. That's hard to do. He may be running Logan Canyon every morning at sunup or something. I, don't know. I was born premature a month, and one of the issues that I've had my whole life is a lack of lung capacity. Oh, really? 
Yes. Well, there it is. And so I have a problem, and we were doing a health fair at the Daily Breeze, and you had to blow into this thing and test your lung capacity, and all the sports guys were there. We all we all had to do it, right? So it was my turn. We're all in line. I blow it in. I blow the thing, and the thing barely moves. And the gal, I don't know if she's a nurse or some type of medical lady, She, when I get done, first thing she said to me- You're premature. How long have you been smoking? Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Now, the guys in line just, just bust, bust up, up laughing because yeah. they know you're not smoking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're in the office okay? playing softball. They know you're not. Everybody right. knows who smokes and who doesn't because people who smoke have to go out for 20 minutes and right. have their smoke break, and you never do that. There might have been other reasons, too. I know, but I'm staying away from that. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, they knew that. And they, I, could, I can remember a guy named Phil Collin who was one of our writers, and he was right behind me. I mean, he almost goes to the ground. He's laughing so hard. <laughs> and it was so funny because I've never – it's hard for me, like, to swig a bottle. I can't swig it. i got to stop. So uh, my premature birth, one of, the, one of the issues was a lack of lung capacity. So you're not the guy who swims the length of the pool in the water? No, not at all. Not happening? No. Not happening. Can't do it. No. Well, that's okay. You're pretty. You're pretty good with a pitching wedge, so uh, yeah, that's why go I go with that. Uh, you know, I, 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 I bypass the opportunity to go on the Poseidon because <laughs> they had to swim. You know, in order. Yeah, I got it. Titanic and all that stuff. It. All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Uh, We'll get more of your two words, two words for your favorite team. And then also, we've got uh, a lot of reaction pouring in. Gail Miller's talking about an NBA championship. She doesn't do a lot of interviews, but she did one on the big show. They just had the big management change, and uh, then she came on and and talked some basketball. And we will get to your reaction to that coming up as well. 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. The countdown is back on the Zone Sports Network. It's the fifth annual college football top 60 and 60. As we count you down to the start of the college football season. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another selection. I see you on five. Leading up to the start of the 2019 season. As voted on by the local media and you the fans. It's the top 60 and 60. Presented by Cypress Credit Union, the Southtown Auto Mall, and Master Electrical Service. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, reminding you the tour of podcast, tour of Utah podcast is available at 1280thezone.com. The podcast includes tips for how to train for the summer of cycling and where best to see the tour of Utah in action. Gail Miller came on the big show, talked about the, uh, well, she talked about several things, but she talked about the Jazz winning a championship, believes it's going to happen. We'll let you listen to it right now. With 30 teams in the NBA, there can only be one championship, but I think every 30 years you ought to have one. (laughs) It's our turn. And I think we've built up to it. We understand what it takes. I think we've put everything in place for it. We've given them all the tools they need, brought in the players that I think can do it, and there's no reason why we can't um, have that expectation. Now, I don't know that it'll come this year, but I do believe we'll get there. One every 30, your share. Yeah, there's nothing about the way that works in the NBA, unfortunately. The Lakers have way more than their share. Unless they make you retire after you get one. 
That'd be good. Yeah. Let, let's put that roll in. <laughs> put that roll in right now. And you're done. Thanks. Then there'd be a whole bunch more who would get them for yeah. sure. The Raptors, although to her point, the Raptors were the 19th of the 30 NBA teams to win a championship. At some point, things line up for you. You're good, and you catch some breaks. I don't think it. I don't think they line up for you. I think you have to make them line up. Well, I don't. I don't think the Raptors made Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant get hurt. No, but, but they, they acquired Kevin or Kawhi Leonard. Absolutely. You can and, do it. and uh, what's the Siakam? Come on. So you they, make they, your, they just didn't luck into it. I agree. You make yourself good, yeah. and then things line up. Now the Jazz. You brought this up earlier. They've made themselves really good. 1988, had the Lakers in seven games and got beat by Magic, who went on to win the title. Had a couple of 60-win teams in the late 90s. Had one in the mid-90s. And that is the one that feels like it got away. 60 wins in 95 and out to the Rockets in the first round with no Jordan. That was a blow. Yeah, that was... Then they get two more 60-win teams. They had opportunity and they they didn't seize it. Right. They had a 60-win team. So the way it goes, man. And they didn't seize it. They didn't get it done. And that might have, might, as, might have been their best chance. So I, I think things have to line up, but they don't line up just because of some It's not because it's every occurrence. 30 years. No. No. It never is. It's never. You have to make yourself good. Yeah. And if you catch a break, so be it. Yeah, it's like what Yogi Roth was talking about the Utes. you got to have a ball bounce your way. We get that. But... The thing that leads me to have a form of encouragement is that they've got these players now ready to go, and maybe not this year, as Mrs. Miller says, and I'm, I, I get that. But going forward, I just don't see a true generational superstar standing in the way. That doesn't mean that there won't be great teams standing in the way, but I don't see anybody in the league as LeBron ages out. Is there really just an absolute dominant guy that everybody points to? I don't see it. There's a whole slew of great teams. No problem there. Great players. But who, in the next five years, who is the next? Man, he's just the absolute, no question, dominant superstar the way Magic, Bird, Jordan were, and even LeBron. Well, you could argue it should be Durant, but coming off an Achilles, massive question marks. He's going to be over marks. 30 years old. Yeah, massive question marks. So I wouldn't argue that. He's aging out also. And can he really do it on his own? He didn't do it before he got to Golden State. I don't think anybody does it on their own. I don't think LeBron did it on his own. But he I got them to point. the finals on their but own. But I would he say if, the torch, were, the, finals if the torch were passing, that's who it should have been passed to. But you're right, he's in his 30s and now he's coming back from an Achilles. So the torch doesn't go to him. Who does it go to? So why doesn't it go then more to the team aspect, particularly with the shooting? The three-point shooting is a great equalizer now. So if you have great three-point shooters and great players, then I maybe I don't necessarily need the all-time best player or the dominant, most without question, best player in the league. Maybe it'll little be be a little bit more like baseball, not to the extent. Trout is recognized as the best player in the league. The Angels never go anywhere. That's an extreme example. You Obviously, if you have the best player in the league, you're most likely going to be in the playoffs in the NBA. But the opportunity now for the best teams to take over is right there, and it's going forward for the next three to five years. 
have four really good three-point shooters and the defensive player of the year dunking in the middle. Yeah, it's why we had all this upheaval with the Dream Team, because we were finding out that the best players thrown together weren't beating these teams that had all these perimeter guys shooting. And we're go- that's going back 20-some years now. And so it happened at that level. Why can't it happen at this level? Well, maybe that's the lesson to take away from the Warriors. Everybody's trying to figure out what's the latest revolution. The Warriors have really good players. But when they won their first championship, did they have a generational player? If they do, it's because Steph Curry revolutionized shooting. Not because he's going to win some decathlon, NFL combine type biggest. I mean, LeBron, big, strong, fat. I mean, literally, I mean, in baseball, they talk about five tool players. Uh So he's that in the NBA. However, you measure a player, he's got it. Lacking a little bit on the distance of shooting, but yeah, I get your point. I don't think that Curry didn't revolutionize it on his own. I think the league went that way and saw a player like him is going to be able to have more success. And then the door was open and he just slammed right through it. See what I'm saying? So I think that it came to the concept of the three being more than two, blah, blah, blah. And then he's there saying, yeah, well, I'm really good at this. So is that Storm. And then he just, and to his own credit, he ends up being a superstar. And as they take the physicality out of the game from hand checking to defensive three-second rules, they've done all kinds of stuff to open the game up. So a player who isn't as physically dominant, it doesn't matter as much. Whereas back in the day, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. you just put your hand on your hip and hold him, and he's not going anywhere. So the rules change, the strategy changes with the coaches, and he's got the skill set to capitalize. And then you combine it with a Clay Thompson and yada sure. yada, yeah. and you're off and running. Draymond Green and the rest of them. Well, and eventually Durant. But they got a championship, and they could have, would have, should have had. Well, they got one before. Had, right, they got one before and could have, would have, should have We're only talking two. one here. Yeah, we'll worry about two once we have one. Yeah. Well, they've been here almost 60 years, so why not get ahead of the curve and get the second one? Well, that'd be great. Right. But we're just talking about one. And then the Warriors got that one before Durant. And if you want to listen to the whole interview, uh, Gail Miller on The Big Show, it's up at 1280thezone.com. All the shows, all the interviews, they're all up there. If you're uh, driving somewhere and you don't have a great reception, you can download them, and and basically all the shows become podcasts. So you're good to go. Go to 1280thezone.com. All right, college football. We're 20 days out from Utah and BYU. Two words, two words to describe your team in this upcoming season. We'll get to that next. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.